in the book of Judges, there is a reoccurring line that says, because there was no king, everyone did what was right in his own eyes, her own eyes, their own eyes. Not much has changed since way back then. We're all doing what is right in our own eyes. We live in a day of multiple truths. We live in a day, well, it used to be that the flat earth society was a joke. Now I suppose it's fact. We live in a day when what I want is more important than what you want. You go to a fight and a hockey game breaks out. You go to a hockey game and a fight breaks out, not on the ice, but in the stands. Or a football game and a fight breaks out, not on the field, but in the stands. You go to a basketball game, well, you know. So it goes that we have a theme for this season. It is from the lips of Joshua, choose this day whom you will serve. You can serve the gods of these days, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's get our eyesight straight. And so it is that we've been hanging close to the Gospel of Mark and what it means to serve the Lord. From Mark chapter 10, verses 35 through 45, hear the word of God. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask you. And he said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said, Grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they replied, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lorded over them and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be a slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. This is the word of the Lord. Jesus asks, What is it that you want me to do for you? What do you want from God? I've got a plane ticket for Tuesday to fly up to see my mom, who's 97. You know her to be the comeback kid. She's been kicked out of hospice twice, one more time, and she's in the Guinness Book of World Records. (laughs) But she's down to 91 pounds, and she's not eating or drinking and uh, hardly responding. And so I'm asking God that she stop the fight and go gentle into the good night. What do you want from God? It's that which you cannot do. It's beyond your reach, beyond anyone's reach. So I've got a plane ticket. What do you want from God? I've asked a few folks. One said, I'm either depressed or I'm angry or both. I don't 
know what I want, but I want to get out of that. I'm praying for it. One said, I'd like the peace that surpasses all understanding. One said, I'd really like to know that my sins are behind me. My sins are behind me. One said, I'd like for my daughter and my son to let me back into their lives. I asked a lot of people, and everyone had an answer as to what they wanted from God. So I'm asking you, what do you want from God? And if you have an answer, well, then I think that's just about everyone who wants something from the Almighty. Guy read from the book of Job. It, it, it's, it's a once-in-upon-a-time story about a man named Job whose claim to fame was that he wanted some justice from God. That's what he wanted, justice. You see, his life wasn't fair. His life was deep in suffering, and suffering wasn't in the plan. The plan was that good things happened to good people and bad things happened to bad people, and for most of Job's life, that's just how it went. He was blessed. But then suddenly everything took a turn, and no fault of his own, as it turned out, he lost everything. His friends came by to sit in his ash heap that was his life, and you have to give them credit. For days they did not say a word. They just sat with him in his suffering, no words. But then you have to take the credit back because their friends, his friends, just let their theology get the best of them and they couldn't help themselves from expressing it. Buddy, Job, there must have been something you did to tick God off. Think about it. What did you do? And Job said, there's not a thing, not one thing. He didn't deserve his suffering. Who deserves suffering? Suffering is like that. There are people who just, well, they wake up and find themselves in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. They didn't ask to be there. They were just born there, suffering there. There's a woman who wakes up in Kabul, Afghanistan. She didn't ask for that. She just got it, the suffering. There are people who discover they're on a hate list for being different. Not a thing they did. They were just born. What do you think they want from God? Justice. And justice is just another name for God. What Job wanted was justice. He, he wanted God to show up so that he could prove his innocence. And what you heard in that passage that Guy read was God showing up not as some sweet friend who walks with him while the dew is still fresh on the roses. No, God shows up like a Tennessee tornado. Gird up your loins like a man, God says. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Job got what he asked for, it's just not what he wanted. 
God just blew his understanding of God away, and that's the way it is with God. When God shows up, it's always a surprise. Always a surprise. You may remember in the darkness near the Jabbok River, there was Jacob. And in that darkness, he felt a hold upon him. And he spent the night wrestling with a stranger or maybe an angel or maybe it was God. Who knows? But Jacob said, I'll name this place. For I have seen God face to face and my life has been preserved. God showed up in a wrestling match. Surprise. Moses was surprised to find God showing up in a burning bush. Sarah and Abraham were surprised by some strangers that they just invited in for tea, and oh, they were entertaining angels unaware. Surprise. Isaiah went into worship and was surprised to find that God was in worship. I saw the God that high and lifted up. Woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. Ezekiel was surprised that God was in Babylon. God had taken an Uber to get there. God there in a wheel inside of a wheel. You hear the surprising trend? It's a surprise throughout the Bible. It's a theme, except in Mark's gospel with these disciples. No surprise at all. Why is that? Because God has shown up in Jesus Christ. And they look at Jesus and they can't see God. Imagine being in the presence of God and not understanding the presence of God. Imagine being in the presence of anyone and not imagining the presence and not understanding the presence. It's like when I was at Starbucks minding my own business waiting on Nancy Falls to meet me there. Nancy came in, and she whispered to me, Do you know you're sitting next to Nicole Kidman? <laughs> and I looked over, and right, right there, there was Nicole. Sure enough, I was surprised. I don't know if I sat, ne sat next to Nicole. I call her Nicole now. or if Nicole sat next to me. I kind of like the thought of her coming into Starbucks and looking at all those tables and then just choosing one next to me. <laughs> but the point is, uh, Nicole was next to me, and I didn't know. She was just a person in a sea of people. If Nancy hadn't come in, I wouldn't be telling this story. It would just have been something about going to Starbucks. Well, that's not a story. I don't know what my meeting with Nancy was all about. Nancy doesn't know what her meeting with me was all about because she was sitting next to Keith Urban, whoever he is. <laughs> so James and John are talking to the Son of God and they are oblivious oblivious to who he is. They know something about him. They know him to be Jesus, who is someone, a teacher, a powerful guy, a successful guy, a popular guy. 
with popularity, there is a power that if you get near the power, you can have some of that power transferred to you. That's the way it is with popular people. Every so often, I will tell colleagues in ministry that I have Barbara Brown Taylor's cell phone number. That name may mean nothing to you, but among clergy, it's saying something. On my phone right now, I can text Barbara Brown Taylor at any time. I don't like telling you about this because, well, as Paul McCartney once said to me, it's never good to drop names. <laughs> you see, power is transferable if you can get close enough. Teacher, the brothers say, imagine addressing Almighty God as, as teacher. Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask you. Imagine asking Almighty God to do whatever you want, ordering God around like God is some servant. Apparently, you don't have to imagine. Because this God called Jesus understands himself and proclaims himself to be just that, a servant. Surprise. Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask you. And so it is that Jesus, the servant, stays to be a servant. What do you want me to do for you? Grant us to, uh, to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. You see, power is transferable. You just want to be next to you in your glory. The irony is that they've just been told, just prior to the words of this thing that I just read to you, just prior to the text, in fact, I should have read it to you, but about the glory of Jesus, he just told the disciples, see, we are going to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over and condemned to death and handed over, and they will mock him, and they will spit him, uh, and they will flog him, and they will kill him, and after three days he will rise again. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask you. Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, when you come into your glory. And Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they say, sure, <laughs> yep. Mm -hmm. they, answer having, they answer having no idea that the cup that Jesus drinks is the cup of his death. The baptism of Jesus is a baptism into death. It's, it's death. Jesus' glory is on a cross. And that cross lands right in between two thieves. One at his right hand and one at his left. He didn't get to choose that. We got to choose that for him. Are you able to drink from the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? We're able. We, yep, sure enough. I wonder if Jesus paused for a moment with their answer. That without knowing it, those disciples were right. You can have his baptism. 
and you can drink from his cup and you can receive the grace and you can skate on by with life oblivious to the power of it all. The salvation of it all. And that is often how we live life. Oblivious to power and amazement and wow. We have freedoms we take for granted every day. But every once in a while you encounter the widow of a soldier or the mother or father of one who says, uh, pay attention. We have nice clothes. We have nice things. And every once in a while, we, we might learn that they're all being created somewhere in some sweatshop somewhere. We might not know that, but we should know it. I'm just saying that we can be oblivious to what we have. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? Yep, yep, yep. Been to that baptism. Had that cup a billion times. But there is a word from God that if our ears are open, that might change the way we live and move and have our being. Our lives can be driven by asking not, what do you want from God? But rather, our question, our prayer should be, God, what do you want from me? That's where we start. In the middle of our fights, Lord, what do you want from me? In the middle of our sadness, Lord, what do you want from me? In the middle of our worries, Lord, what do you want from me? In the middle of all our wants, Lord, what do you want from me? And in that prayer, God will show up as a servant, as a suffering servant of love. God shows up. I've seen it in you. I've seen it. And in the end, what you want from God and what God wants from all of us, well, it's the same thing. It's a servant. And it shines like the light, the light of the world. And you can't tell the difference between God and the ones who serve.